hello and welcome to the first edition of the FT Advisor podcast of 2024. We hope you had a great Christmas. Happy New Year. Last year was certainly an eventful one from the perspective, from the point of view of news in the uh, financial services sector. Let's see if the coming year is going to be just as eventful. I'm joined by three members of the FT Advisor news team to have a little bit of a chat about what we can expect um, on from from the coming 12 months and reflect a little bit about uh, what happened over the past 12 months as well. I'm joined by uh, news editor Amy Austin, uh, deputy news editor Sonia Arch, and uh, investment reporter Tara O'Connor. Uh, hello, everyone. Hi. Hi. Um, so we're going to start with um, you, Amy. One of the um, things that a lot of certainly a lot of advisors and a lot of people in the um, platform world are going to be focusing on they might even have been thinking about it over christmas is the the lifetime allowance which is uh, is, is being scrapped um there were some suggestions that uh, some hopes more than suggestions maybe that uh, this was the deadline for this was going to be pushed back um but uh, it's it's happening in april whether whether they like it or not isn't it yeah, so there was concerns that, you know, a couple of months wouldn't be long enough um, for everyone to get ready, seeing as we kind of only just got the regulation on this just before Christmas. Um, so, yeah, as you said, I'm guessing a lot of advisors and providers out there may have spent their Christmas period trying to get ready and, you know, get their heads sorted about what this will mean for them. Um, several people have told me that, you know, advisors should be having conversations early this year. Um, trying to like prepare clients for the scrapping of the LTA. Um, so yeah, the LTA, you know, from early April will be gone. Um, and instead there's gonna be two new allowances in place of this LTA. So advisors are kind of gonna have to, you know, make themselves familiar with these two new allowances, like how they work, you know, what's kind of going to go on there. And then there's also a number of transitional arrangements um, for those who have taken benefits before April 6th, 2024. So, you know, it, it's not it's not no easy feat to kind of get this sorted and get this ready. It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of man hours, especially in terms of providers, you know, getting their communications ready, getting their platform sorted, you know, changing everything up. Um, I think that's where, you know, the concern is over timing that it's it's just not a quick turnaround and where we've been you know waiting for the regulations i think while some providers would have you know been doing what they could have done um early as possible there's only so much you can do without knowing exactly like, the extent of the changes um so now they've kind of got these they can you know work a bit more towards this but you know in the first quarter for advisors of course it will be a case of like getting clients in the best position possible for the incoming changes uh, for example, like crystallizing funds that are already over the lifetime allowance to avoid kind of, you know, these additional tests on the remaining lump sums on death and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, there is a there's a lot of work to be done. Um, so it's I think everyone's going to be kind of watching that and seeing where that's going, seeing, you know, eyes will be on providers and platforms and et cetera to see how well they've done it. You know, what's going to be ready by the time? I mean, I think a lot. You know, there is a lot of regulation coming next year, but I do think that this is going to be one that's going to be taking the lead just because, you know, they're going to have four months to do it. So they've really got to put a lot of manpower onto this task. Yeah, um, 
and two two of the trends um, which we saw last year um, were the return of, of the annuity, um, and also consolidation in, in in the SaaS in the SaaS space. Um, do you think these are likely to uh, to continue uh, into New Year? Are they here to stay? Yeah, I think so. I think you know, with the last couple of years, annuities, you know, they weren't in favour just because of their rates. They weren't very good, so you know, advisors weren't really looking at them as you know an option in retirement. But now the rates have gone up, and you know they're doing quite well. I think a lot more advisors have turned their attention. To annuities and you know annuities should never be ignored because they are you know a good right retirement planning tool um especially in the i think you know they've come into their own in this kind of environment because of the cost of living crisis and you know just how everything's just so up in the air at the moment annuities you know are a guaranteed income um so you know what you'll be getting so i think that's why advisors are probably turning to them more now as well just because you know they can give that certainty in retirement a bit more and yeah, and in terms of the SaaS consolidation market, you know, we have seen a lot of, you know, the big SaaS players, you know, buying other smaller SaaS firms like SaaS book, client books and stuff like that. Um, I think this is, yeah, this is going to continue into 2024, just as more books maybe come up for sale. And, you know, the TPR hasn't exactly been, you know, let, not vocal on the fact that they don't want small schemes, you know, floating around out there. They do want, you know, these kind of, gone as said in a way so yeah so i think that will continue and then you know in terms of SaaS market as well there's a lot of eyes on what's going to be done with the levy um you know there were before christmas a lot of SaaS administrators out there worried that you know the third option of this ten thousand pound fee would would be on SaaS schemes which doesn't really work you know it would you know there was a lot of things going around saying it would be you know pretty much into the SAS if this was to happen. Um, but a lot of people have also said that hopefully this won't happen. You know, I know a lot of SAS providers and schemes and whatever have replied to the consultation being like, this cannot happen, like this really shouldn't be an option. Or if it is an option, then SASs should be, you know, exempt from this like they've done in the past, just because of the way they work so differently. Um, so yes, I think a lot of SaaS providers will be looking out for that in the new year as well. You know, we don't know when it's coming, but hopefully it will be good news for them. Great. And um, something that a lot of people are going to be talking about you know, this year um, around the country is, is going to be uh, the election, which uh, I think at the end of last year, the government may have confirmed that it will be happening um, uh, this year so it won't be in won't be in early january 2025 um pensions have been very political in, in recent years so um there's obviously going to be a shifting focus towards that and what what labor might do if uh, if it seems likely at the moment but obviously this could change uh, they 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 form the government after the election yeah i think that's you know the every all eyes are going to be on this you know pensions are one of them things you know they are political and you know conservatives will be like oh we're going to do this to pensions and then you know labor turns around and goes don't agree with that we're going to do this and that's the problem with pensions there's always so much change and you know you'll get ready for something and then an another government will come in and change it or tweak it or just scrap it all entirely um so i think there is a lot of you know worry about that especially i mean the one thing i think people are worried about in terms of that at the moment is that you know rachel reeves did come out and say once the government 
announced it was going to scrap the LTA, that actually she didn't agree with it and she would have, if, you know, Labour gets in, she's going to reverse it, which, you know, I imagine providers would want to pull their hair out. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going to spend all this time, you're going to be rushing the four months to April to get everything done. And then if Labour were to come in and reverse it all, you know, I think people would literally across the country would sit there and just scream, um, which would be, you know, I would <laughs> I can't blame them for that. So, yeah, I think that's one of the big, you know, concerns. But maybe if we were so far into the LTA being scrapped, it might be, you know, less likely that Labour could just go back and be like, nope, we're putting it back in. Like, I think, you know, maybe that's why this is being rushed through, just in case Labour does come in. Um, that could be a reason. Who knows? I'm not the chancellor. I don't know what he thinks. <laughs> that's just my thoughts on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she has promised as well, Rachel Reeves, that a sweeping review of the pensions landscape you know, like kind of boosting returns for, uh, for savers and getting more money invested in like fast growing firms and stuff like that. So it's not too dissimilar to what the Conservatives are kind of trying to do with pensions at the moment. But, you know, if it's a different, you know, government, you know, they do come in and make changes. So it is a bit up in the air. You know, people do worry about pensions when it comes to like stuff like this. But there are things that, you know, will cross over. And I think that both governments, you know, would agree are a good thing such as you know delivering the pensions dashboard I can't see that going anywhere I think both Conservatives and Labour would like to push forward on this and get this done um, so I think you know it's likely that that will continue as normal and then there's also you know auto enrollment I think everyone agrees that you know it needs these changes need to be made you know lowering the threshold lowering the age etc so I think them two kind of we think they're you know good to stay um, and then there's also, you know, continuing to promote these collective DC schemes. Um, you know, 2024 is likely to see the first single employer CDC scheme go live at Royal Mail. Um, and, you know, we're looking for regulation towards that, etc. So I think a Labour government as well as Conservatives would be, you know, attracted to see this going into 2024. So we will see. Great, great. Thank you, Amy. Um, Sonia, moving on to you, I mean, it's been a, a, a very busy year from a regulatory perspective, even even until the the last few uh, weeks of of, of, um, of last year, it was a um, there were there were the, the FCA was was making was making announcements. Were there any particular uh, highlights, if that's the if that's the right word? <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, an eventful December to say. Um, I think we normally expect it to quieten down and. The FCA seems to disagree with that, so it was it was extremely eventful. Um, I think for kind of across uh, 2023, the consumer duty was kind of the thing that everyone was talking about. It was the elephant in the room with kind of any conversation you were having, um, and it was all about kind of how the firms were preparing, the costs that were kind of associated with it, and so forth. And then that sort of obviously happened in July last year, and then we got to December, and it was all about kind of um the advice guidance boundary and that was kind of the the big thing that came out you know multiple kind of things that were proposed and it was it was quite interesting because obviously it was something that had been kind of been mentioned previously by the fca um and it was something that was in talks but it was not really materialized until then um, and there were kind of a number of things that they obviously announced a lot of it kind of ties in with the consumer duty so Obviously, the purpose of the duty was to kind of set um, 
higher standards and of consumer protection across financial services and there was kind of a focus on putting consumers needs first at kind of every stage of their journey um and the duty sort of had you know three cross-cutting rules that um under which kind of companies must act in good faith and avoid sort of foreseeable harm and and, and that sort of thing so they all are reflected in the kind of new advice guidance boundary proposals that were obviously announced in December um, and what where we kind of go from that will be will be interesting um, to see how that materializes in 2024. Mm -hmm. I guess these are big these are big changes aren't they um, and they're likely to form the form the backbone of what what happens over the next year I mean the advice guidance boundary stuff still is hasn't been implemented it's there's still it's still out for consultation so yeah it's going to be an interesting interesting one um however i suppose the other one of the other changes that we uh, regulatory changes that we saw was um sdr the fca's esg um esg rules and i guess the that's another big big set of changes which is also likely to form um form the backbone of what of some of the a lot of the regulatory activity for the next 12 months or so yeah i think as sonia said kind of consumer duty was a huge talking point in 2023 and i think it's not going to really go away in 2024 either advisors will still kind of and firms will still have to be getting to grips with that but then at the same time they're going to have to start thinking about the new sdr rules um which will first come in uh, at the end of may which will be the anti-greenwashing rules first, and then there'll be the kind of um, uh, sustainable labels, which everyone's been waiting for for a long time, I think is quite welcomed because it will hopefully make things a bit more transparent. But I think there will be a lot of work for firms to kind of uh, get to grips with exactly what it means and, and making it clear for consumers and, and their clients. Um, and it will, um, yeah, it expects fund managers to kind of keep on reviewing the ranges and assessing whether they have to disclose or, or what they have to disclose in the future. Yeah, and of course, there's this working group that the, the the FCA has set up for advice rules as well, isn't it? Which is going to produce some form of guidance, which may well be in, may well be next year. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what that um, what comes out of that. Um, one of the trends, I guess, we've seen next year. Sonia, coming back to you, is is um, um m a activity um consolidation this is going to be something you know this has been impacted by some of the macroeconomic events and higher rates inflation um what 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 do what do you think we're we're likely to see from that in in, in the new year yeah i mean with kind of um obviously inflation forecast looking uh, slightly more positive. Um, some kind of experts have said that there's kind of a strong chance that um, business buyers will renew their attraction to the sector. So, you know, a more stable stock market could kind of, you know, have a huge impact. But there were sort of obviously causes for concern that um, regulation, you know, specifically consumer duty obligations will have kind of a huge impact on small firms. Um, that kind of combined with the sort of ever increasing aging demographic of advisors which which you know we, we constantly hear about is likely to sort of impact the um and, and kind of continue the consolidation of those smaller uh, firms for, for the foreseeable future anyway um i think towards the end of last year so around november i think it was the fca um 
released a consultation paper which kind of in part sort of looked at how how kind of sold and closed down personal investment firms so those that kind of provide advice and arrange deals um have kind of impacted the fcs and you know the fca has obviously always had influence over um transactions and you know the, whether it's kind of a change in control processes or the sale of uh, shares of a business or, or you know notifications that are kind of set out but the consultation kind of notice that came out in november more suggests that the fca could go further um they they stated their intention to kind of reduce the burden on the fcs which in turn will obviously impact levies on individual firms and and that's something advisors will welcome obviously because the levies is kind of one of those topics that keeps coming up but at the heart of their proposals was um that firms are kind of to take more responsibility for the value of kind of potential redress claims in advance and would kind of in essence mean that firms have to kind of keep more capital aside um both for kind of those that are in operation but those that are also looking to deauthorize and kind of exit the market or sell up and so that's kind of a requirement that firms need to keep money in the bank and the key will obviously be how any of this new guidance is eventually implemented and how it's all kind of in the consultation stage so it's hard to kind of say but if that sort of materializes then it could see a lot of sellers unable to kind of enjoy the fruits of their labor and and following kind of the sale of their business and so yeah it is going to be one to watch i mean it's MA is one of those things that i feel like is constantly in every year we're talking about it but we're not really sure where it's going so yeah it definitely seems like the fca will have a part to play in that mm, yeah yeah sure and of course power consolidation isn't something that we've just seen in the, in the advice market it also you've also seen lots of uh, activity in, in the platform market as well and the, the wider investment management market as well um what are you um seeing in terms of what the, what the direction that that's likely to go in, in in the in the coming year i think um yeah there's been a lot of kind of platforms changing hands and consolidating in the last few years and i don't think it's something that will get easier for them as there's kind of basically less money around less money going into platforms a few of them will struggle um there have been some predictions that a big name platform could go out of business altogether in 2024 um and I think it's just on platforms to kind of offer more to their clients now. A lot of them are introducing new um, kind of systems or just better technology to try and keep people on their platforms. Um, yeah, and I think it will all be about them kind of improving their offer to see whether they can stay in business. Yeah, interesting. Um, Sonia, just to come <clears throat> come back to you um, with one last uh, one last point. I, personally, I think the the advice guidance boundary stuff that the, that the FCA published at the, uh, um, last month is going to be a it's going to be a, a really fascinating thing to watch this year was there anything particularly that um, that stood out with you that you think people should um, keep a, keep an eye on yeah so I mean the they obviously set out kind of three proposals for reforming the advice guidance boundary and one of them was kind of a simplified advice option and there was a targeted um, uh, advice kind of approach which I think both sort of stand out. Um, they were kind of, they were largely obviously welcomed by by a lot of people because they'll start to offer um, more people access to advice and they'll kind of benefit from investment opportunity. But obviously it means that there's more for firms to do. Um, the, the kind of new approach, um, one of the new approaches kind of 
allow firms to provide support to tailored groups of people um, in similar circumstances, as well as kind of the form of uh, simplified advice, which makes it kind of easier for firms to provide affordable um, personal recommendations to clients with kind of more similar or straightforward needs. The targeted um, approach was one that kind of stood out. And I think the reason is kind of the fact that the FCA could, um, that an FCA kind of authorized firms could describe to a consumer the kind of different ways available to them for accessing their pension when they do for the first time or kind of different, different sort of examples of that I guess um, and firms could also highlight that to a consumer kind of holding excess cash in their bank account that you know look inflation could erode the value of that or they could describe the the value of investing and suggest products that are kind of suited to some people like you in that kind of market which is how they've they've sort of labeled it the simplified advice proposal could obviously enable advisors to help consumers who want the kind of just reassurance of financial advice to invest a, a one-off lump sum. So I think that is probably what was expected by advisors, the simplified one, but the targeted one is one that it feels like is is kind of a new standard that the FCA hopes will sort of reduce the time needed to collecting customer information, you know, things like the fact fine, and then therefore bring down the overall cost for firms that are kind of providing that service. Yeah, interesting. It's going to be um, um, an, an interesting one to watch. Are there any concerns about that targeted, targeted advice? Um, yeah, yeah. No, I think so. Obviously, the targeted one is a non-advised option proposed by the FCA, which allows authorized firms, such as kind of product providers, to guide their customers towards certain products based on what other people like them, like that consumer, would find suitable. Um, the option would kind of operate under different suitability requirements um, than like simplified or holistic advice. So it would allow firms to collect uh, limited personal information about a customer and their circumstances to help them kind of make an informed choice. But obviously, the targeted approach will be required to adhere to consumer duty rules and would kind of still align back with that. But firms will be kind of required to assess um, you know well what the best approach is but one of the issues that has been raised with this um is that it's not going to be great for smaller firms so the fca admitted kind of in its proposals that the targeted support may give um larger advice firms a competitive advantage and then therefore result in more consolidation um, which is a cause for concern obviously um, and the Regulator Act has obviously said that, yeah, the, the proposals for simplified advice may, may make kind of holistic advice more expensive and less easily uh, available. So, yeah, to facilitate that, the FCA is obviously um, kind of open to uh, going back to kind of pre-RDR days and allowing firms to offer this service for free through cross-subsidy, um, which obviously was banned by the RDR regulation. So. Uh, as long as kind of appropriate protections are in place, it is something they've said they're open to, but it obviously is concerning that it will be kind of not as beneficial maybe for smaller firms. Um, but where whether that actually goes ahead, obviously they're in the consultation phase, we don't, we don't quite know, but that is probably one of the biggest sort of concerns that people have raised with this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, to see where that goes. And, um, Finally, Tara, um, I suppose one of the backdrops to 
so much of what has happened in the last year or so has been um, the macroeconomic environment. You know, inflation going up, rates following them. Um, we've got this um, towards the end of last year. Uh, we saw inflation go down to three point nine percent. Rates are still high. Um, I suppose the, the, one of the questions is: is that is inflation going to keep going down, and when will rates follow them? Yeah, I think the kind of the fall in inflation that we saw at the end of 2023 puts a bit of pressure kind of on the Bank of England to bring the interest rate down. Um, but the Bank of England has kind of said that the economy is moving in the right direction to come down, but there's still a lot of work to be done before that happens. Um, I think people are kind of expecting the interest rate to be cut at some time in 2024, but maybe not not till the end of or the last half of the year. Um, and even then, I think interest rates won't really go down to kind of what people have been, the, the low rates that people have been used to over the last 15 years. Um, and yeah, I think there's even still warnings that we there could be the chance of a recession in 2024. So I think it, it's there's still a lot of kind of tough times ahead. Yes, the um, soft landing, hard landing debate, I suppose, is something which is is going to continue. And um, I suppose we won't find out. It's probably it'll be a few months before we find out the answer to it. Great. Well. Um, that's all we have time for. Um, thank you very much, Amy, uh, Ty and Sonia. And um, thank you for listening. And tune in again uh, next week for the uh, ne next edition uh, of the FT Advisor podcast. Thank you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.